Richard, we thank you for all that he's been preparing. We thank you for all that you've placed in his heart to share this morning. We want to receive from you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you. Just whilst I'm getting myself set up, quick reminder that it's um, the um, lunch club today at Manor Farm Park after the service. So do go and join them there uh, or talk to Lydia, who's sitting over there. Okay? Well, thanks, Graham, for taking section two. All the stuff about fear. I was sitting there just saying to Robin, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that as well. I'm going to say that as well. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I feel affirmed <laughs> that, that God's on our case. And, uh, and it's just good to be here. Um, in a moment, a, a thing will go on the screen and I'll be giving my clicker back. Um, here she comes. Thank you. Do I do anything yet? Yes, try. Okay, I'll start talking, because the first two slides are just to get us going, really. So, um, <clears throat> I am... Oh, we're there. Brilliant. Thank you. Reflection on creation. So, um, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to particularly talk about uh, the, the fact that we are created in the image of God, and I want to explore that a little bit. And it's off the back of what Alistair Cuttridge was sharing a week last Friday uh, when he talked about creation. So, this is a reflection... <laughs> Not a theological teach, although there will be some content in it. And, uh, you're right, Andy? Okay, he's just flashing his hand. It worries me. I've told Robin to give me a 10 minute warning, and you're sitting there going like this. So, <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so I, some thoughts I've had based on what uh, Alistair said. And Alistair last week. Okay, thank you. Um, spent the weekend talking uh, about the big story of the Bible, talking about how there is a, a cohesive story which hangs together from beginning to end throughout the Bible, um, which overarches all the individual stories, if you like. And, this, and he did this, like six acts of a play. Some of you know this, but I'm just going to quickly recap. Um, so I'm reflecting today on creation, and over the next four weeks, I believe, we're going to take the other five acts, and different people are going to reflect off what Alistair said last week. So he did the teaching, he did the theology, if you like, uh, we're going to do the reflecting. So, um, so I'm reflecting today on creation. Next one, please, Robin. Um, and, and this is my, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I've put the big words in just to prove that I found them on the internet when I was uh, looking into this. <laughs> Ontology, political with a small p. I'm not going to preach a sermon on Brexit. But it will get a mention. <laughs> but, no, no, sorry. Um, so are you doing this, not me, Robin? No, no, you, don't, you can leave it there, but I'm just checking I can put this down. Okay, thank you. Um, so the first bit, I actually want to not just go straight into creation, but to pick up on something that really stood out to me that Alistair said in his introduction to the whole of his, of his um, weekend talks uh, about the big picture uh, and then I'm going to focus in on what it means to be the image of God, uh, and particularly on the verses from Genesis 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Next slide. So um, the big picture. This morning, well, I've been watching a debate going on. I'm part of a WhatsApp group, uh, which belongs to a thing called the, uh, the Global 
Children's Forum. And it's a collection of people in children's ministry around the world. Some of them just in their local church. Others have got national leadership in their countries. Others are people who are leading the way that we disciple children uh, for looking at it internationally. And um, one comment struck me in the light of what I'm going to talk about, which actually came from a British guy called Dave Roberts. Some of you might have heard of him. He used to edit the big Christian magazines years ago. UK research suggests that many church families are not confident in the gospel. They also have a jigsaw faith. They have many pieces, but have not put them together. Um, And they were talking there, the conversation started about why seven out of ten church children and young people don't continue in their faith across the world uh, when they they finish church. And... um, it just The thing that stuck out to me, what Alistair said last week was, he talked about you can read the Bible at three levels. There is the big picture level that he was talking about last weekend, which is there is a story that starts with creation and goes right through to the end to when uh, creation is redeemed finally and Jesus comes again and history reaches its consummation. And, uh, and actually you can read the whole Bible in that context. Every story, every individual person, every theme fits into that, for the intellectual ones amongst you, you could call a meta-narrative, the big story, okay? Then there's a level, a third level, if you like, at the bottom, which is individuals. So we looked in the first term here at the story of David, the story of Moses, the story of Paul. We looked at individual lives and, and how they serve God. So there is this big story of what God is doing through history, and then there is actually individual lives, including our individual lives, in chapter five, in Act Five of the Six Acts play, living out our faith in the era of the church. Then, in the middle, you have another level, which is themes, if you like. So, it might be the story of the nation of Israel, or it might be a theme around redemption or forgiveness, or it might be um, the, the 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 whole sort of part of what Jesus part that Jesus played in coming and living on the earth. So, there there are themes. So there's a big picture, there are themes within that, then there are individual lives. And that really kind of struck me because um, we do tend to get trapped inside our own lives and inside our own culture. We do tend to see things, you know, so let's take Brexit, let's grasp the nettle, (laughs) okay? So I don't know what your view is on Brexit and I'm not going to tell you what mine is. But I do know there is a real tendency for people to get driven by fear. Why are we driven by fear? Because we're looking through our own life and wondering what's going to happen to our family. We're looking through our own country's eyes and what's going to happen to the nation and the economy or whatever. We might even have a Christian view on it, but actually other Christians have a different view on it and each can argue coherently and passionately for their view. But we're, but we're driven by what we, we, we kind of extrapolate. We take what we see on the ground and then we make sense of it as to what might happen next or how it might affect me um, and we come to a view. Now, I'm not arguing with any of the views and I'm also not arguing against people who are truly passionate about what they believe in because I think it's right to be passionate for what we believe is the right thing for us to do and let's have that debate, let's have that disagreement. No, let's not have it, but it's okay to have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what's not okay is to be driven by fear. And why am I talking about this in reflection on creation? Because there's a reason why we don't have to be driven by fear. And it's because God created the earth and everything in it. And he will bring his history to consummation. 
So let's see history with it. So we perhaps have the next parts of this slide up. Uh, Robin, thank you. So I've kind of looked at, at this and thought, so we've got the big story, and I'm not going to repeat what Alistair said, but we, I'm just reminding you, taking creation as a foundation, which I'll come back to, and the story of what God does throughout history, that's the foundation on which we look at everything else. So in our church at the moment, we're taking these seven mountains, the seven areas of society that if we, you know, if we can influence, if they're running healthily, you have a healthy society. Uh, religion, I, I nearly changed that to faith or whatever. Actually, it's referring to all <laughs> religion. Um, healthy families, education, government, that's back to Brexit, um, media. Um, where's health in there? I suppose that's under government, is it? It's under government, health. Okay, that's right. Um, so those are our themes, aren't they? Those themes will run throughout history in different contexts, in different cultures, in different nations. And we're seeking to bring... A, a righteous approach and a gracious God-redeeming approach to how we play our part in our community in, in whatever area of those we're involved in. Um, and I just brought the chance around Brexit, but it applies. You know, Robin works in the A&E at Worcester Hospital. It's the worst A&E in the country, <laughs> apparently. In the worst hospital in the country. <laughs> I don't think that's not Robin's fault. <laughs> uh, and I won't go into that argument either. <laughs> but it'd be really easy... To be, no, not about whether it's your fault. No, that's, oh, excuse me. Just give my wife a cuddle. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I've got to go home with her afterwards. <laughs> um, but she could go into that department every day with a, you know, feeling really down. But she doesn't. She goes in with a much more positive attitude. And then on the right-hand side... We've got our individual things. How are your finances at the moment? How are your close relationships in your, in your family? Thank you. That's great, Megan. How are you feeling? How's your happiness? What's happening in your job? Exams, dare I mention it at this time of year? How confident are you feeling? Have you failed one recently? How's your health? Is it good or bad or indifferent? What about the reputation that you carry? How are you seen? We all get caught up in those things, don't we? When we're a bit short of money, the heart starts to flutter. Or when our relationships are breaking, that we get hurt. And that's, that's okay. That's right. <laughs> that, that we are concerned. Because God is concerned about that as well. But I just want to leave you with a challenge to say, let's look at this bigger picture. Let's see what God is doing and understand that uh, when things are happening in our lives, when things are happening in our society, the way to view it is to understand what God's pattern in history is, and you get that from understanding Scripture. And then let's start from there, because we can have a confidence in God, because he created the earth. I'm not going to do more detail on that, because I want to focus uh, onto, the, onto the next ones. But I just, um, and I think actually I will kind of underpin what I've said as I talk about the next two sections uh, of what I'm going to talk about. So let's have the next slide. So this is, uh, if you like, the consummation of what I've just said. Don't, in fact, it's a bigger print on my piece of paper here. Don't put your confidence in, power people, in powerful people. There's no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. 
He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. I could have picked any one of loads of passages that say that, basically, because he created the heavens and the earth. We can be confident for him in every one of our situations. So next slide. Thank you. So let me tell you a story. I went to a meeting this week. I was speaking on the theme of adoption and fostering. I was doing a home for good evening. Um, And I was quite humbled by the stories that people told in the question and answer time, because you kind of go there as the expert. Fortunately, I didn't take that position, (laughs) I discovered later. So one lady there uh, said, could I just tell my story? Um, I was born in Hong Kong, I was brought up, I can see people looking at you, you know this lady. (laughs) Uh, I was was brought up in an orphanage as as a little child, and then I was adopted out of that orphanage in Hong Kong to the UK. She's now 40s, thereabouts. Um, And... Uh, she recently decided to research her history and has gone back to Hong Kong and been to visit the orphanage that she was raising as a child. And what she told me uh, afterwards in chatting was that um, people had said to her, this is really going to stir things up for you. You're going to go back, you're going to see things that you, you, you don't know that might be really sort of upsetting for you to discover what it was like. It might really throw you. But she said, I thought before I went... And I thought, actually, my identity is not in being an orphan that was taken out of an orphanage or of being an adopted person. My identity is in Christ. I know that my security is in in who God has made me, and therefore I'm okay to go and look at that. And she said, "I've, I've just come back a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't a really big emotional journey. It was a spiritual journey. And she met her birth mum, and she told lots of details about that. Uh, But just saying uh, she was okay because she knew that she was created by God and her identity came from him, which is really powerful. And that was one of about half a dozen people who asked questions, and you thought, wow, (laughs) you should have done this talk, not me. Lost my place. So, how do we get there? So, I'm going to talk about it being the image of God and through who we are and being the image of God through what we do. So, the first one, the reason I told that story is about who we are. I'll have the rest of the slide, Robin. So, in the story of creation, we read how when uh, Adam and Eve had taken the fruit of the tree of knowledge... Um, they heard God walking in the garden. And the strong implication is that it was a regular thing, that God appeared in the garden and that he uh, walked with them and talked with them in human language. Uh, reading about the, that, all that this week, there's, there's a strong view that God, who is spirit, actually appeared in human form. They call it a theophany. Maybe some suggest even it was Jesus in human form before he was born as a baby, as we know. But one thing's for sure, that God walked in an intimate relationship with people in the garden. Which is where we start, because there is a bit of an error sometimes in the way that we think. Because when we are preaching the gospel, or when we're thinking about life, we start with 
quite often the fact that we're sinners. But God's story starts with the fact that he created in his own image and he said that it was good. And he walked and had an intimate relationship with people. And at this point, I have to leap forward three acts to Jesus. Because, yes, I don't want to minimize in any way diminish the fact that sin came into creation. And that there was the crisis, to use the words of the six acts. And that will no doubt be reflected upon next week. (laughs) Um, Don't want to diminish that. But I do want to say that when Jesus came, he came to repair what had been broken in the crisis. And that when we know Jesus, that is repaired in us. So God's starting place is that he created in his own image and he loves us. And he's got a great plan for our lives. Recognize that, turning people? Okay. Then there's, the, then there's the issue of sin. But God has come up with a solution to that. So guys, you're not sinners if you know Jesus. Because Jesus has made... You will sin, you will fail, we live in the in-between bit. But identity is that Jesus has made us righteous in God's eyes by closing us with righteousness. That's who we are. Okay? I'm not diminishing sin. It's real. It's powerful. We can see out in the world and there are plenty of people who are not living in the righteousness of Jesus and that's important. But let's remember who we are because we are righteous. Made so by God because he wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. And he wants to talk with us and he wants to convene with, uh, commune with us and he wants to... Uh, know us intimately. When God did that in creation, he did it. Oh, my word. (laughs) Uh, He did it um, uh, in the Garden of Eden, which is a place of protection that he'd created for man and woman to live in. And when we enter that relationship with God, that intimate walking day-by-day relationship, he puts puts us in his place of protection. He surrounds us. and, And in a sense, we have our own Eden, if you like. We have the place that God places and he surrounds us and protects us. And we know life happens. We know lots of stuff happens. But actually our confidence in God is there because he views us as his loved children. He loves us. He protects us. He's there for us. Uh, And to pick up scriptures from elsewhere, because of time I'm not going to dive into it, we are heirs to his kingdom in fact. So not only does he protect us, but we have confidence for the future. Because we will inherit the kingdom of God. So in terms of being the image of God, God created us in his image. The first idea is that when people look at us, they see the image of God because that's what we're like. We're clothed with righteousness. We're living in his protection. We're walking in confidence. And also we grow in character. So Galatians 5 talks about us having, you know, what grows in us through the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. I know the song too. (laughs) No, I won't. Uh, so, um, So the first point is come to Jesus, spend time with God. Grow in him and you, be, you become more and more like the image of God that God created us to be in the first place. Uh, as who we are. So people when they look at us, they see us in our being as being godly and they see something special. However, there's another aspect to the image. Uh, you can probably skim past to the one that says doing, acting as the image of God, Robin. 
Um, thanks. So this is the verse we're taking. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So the first thing God did when he, you know, when he created them in his image was give them something to do. He gave them a role. So the other view, and there's great debates about it in the theological world, I discover, <laughs> is whether when it says that we are made in the image of God, it, meant, it means that we're meant to look like him or that we're meant to represent him. And the reason they debate that is that at the time when this was written, when the ancient scriptures were written, the ancient people then would have understood a different thing by image. Because in those days, rulers and kings uh, would create an image of themselves. It didn't even always look like them, but it represented them. A bit like we got the queen's head on our coins. It kind of gives authority to the currency. And where the image of the king or the ruler was placed, there the authority of the king or the ruler reigned. So they'd appoint people, the term that is sometimes used is vice-regent, or it's the same as viceroy, those of you who know your French, deputy king. Okay, <laughs> So he appoints vice-regents who are to represent him as the regent, the king. So that's what the rulers did in those days. They appointed vice-regents to rule over regions or areas or cities or particular aspects of the society. And to give them the authority, they had an image of the king. Whether it be in the form of a, of a ring or a, or a statue. Sometimes it was an idol that had to be worshipped. But the image of the ruler was the thing that gave the vice-regent the authority to do the things on behalf of the king. So how people would have understood this when they read it in ancient times or heard the story in ancient times would be, we are the image of God. Where we go, we carry the authority of the ruler to carry out his purposes and act in his name. So being the image of God is about doing what God would do where we are under his authority, as well as having the appearance of him and having his character. Okay, so it's quite nice sitting under Graham. He keeps on saying, really good, really good. <laughs> it's encouraging, thank you. So um, I'm way ahead of my notes. Let's go on to the next slide, I think, Robin. So the line there is kind of Old Testament and New Testament, okay? So in this story, we have tend the earth, multiply, given over creation. So if you're involved in, in, in looking after the environment and campaigning for that, I've been involved in it, great, it's God's work. If you're having children, great, it's God's work. <laughs> uh, if you're in positions of authority or leadership, it's God's work. And this is wherever you are in everyday life. So at the meeting on Wednesday was another lady who... She told her story. She'd been a magistrate in the family courts for 28 years, making decisions about vulnerable children, what was going to happen to them, where they were going to be placed. And she said, I used to pray over all the cases. And actually, there were quite a few Christian magistrates in Worcester. don't know where they still are, but they certainly were at her time. I know that one of the family court judges is a Christian. They used to pray together over the difficult cases to seek the wisdom of God for what to do. That is the image of God at play in our society. 
I have a little story about in my business, uh, we had a lady who did telemarketing for us, and she sat down with one of my colleagues, and she came in one day and said, oh, it's great, we've got a great script, we're going to say this, we're going to say this. I said, that's a fantastic script. Anne was in the room at the time. It's a fantastic script. Just one problem. What's that? I said, it's not true, is it? Okay? So it's just a little thing in a moment within a, a business. But what I was doing was acting as a vice regent of the king. So we're going to do something here which is not true because it doesn't fit in with the nature of the king. Use those words. <laughs> so uh, I don't say that to sort of big myself up, but just to say it doesn't matter whether you're uh, in senior authority in government or whether you're a church leader. It's where you are when you come across things. You act. You've got the image of God there. It gives you the authority to stand up for what he says is the truth and is the right way to go about things. And we discern that in the context of the big story. We can be confident of it because God created the earth and the seas and everything in it and he keeps all his promises. So we can act out of that. We can do it and not have fear about what the consequences might be or what many people might think about us or say about us. Yeah? And ultimately... Because the Bible seems to have, you know, does cross-reference itself amazingly. <laughs> We've talked about the creation story, but then you get to Ephesians 1 verse 10, where Paul says, God's purposes are to bring everything under the headship of Jesus. And that's our purpose too. Because we are servants of Jesus. So I want to really come back to that little jigsaw image, which I only read at about 8 o'clock this morning, because that's when it came in. Perhaps you could do the last slide, Robin, please. Um, and say, yes, we have to put the pieces of the jigsaw in, but let's look at the box with a completed picture on it and see that God created the earth and everything in it and fulfills all his promises. Skipping forward through the act, he sent Jesus, when there was a crisis, he sent Jesus to reestablish his righteousness on the earth and that in Act 6, when he comes again, he'll complete and finish that. And we will inherit the kingdom of God. So we're heirs, we can have confidence for the future. So let's look at his story. Let's walk in the cool of the day with Jesus and convene with him and find out, let him affect who we are, influence our thinking and our doing. And let's get out there and do the stuff. And it doesn't mean you've got to go out there preaching everywhere. Although if you're Lydia in June, you probably just do it without being asked. <laughs> But it does mean standing in the authority of the king because your future is secure, because your past is because you were created and made in the image of God by the almighty God who keeps his promises. So I know we're going to do the film thing, but in finishing I'd just like to say, if you don't know that confidence, either because you don't know Jesus and you'd like to connect with the maker of heaven and earth and put your life in his hands, then come and and let us pray for you. Or if you do know him, but you realize you're only looking at pieces of the jigsaw and you want to gain the confidence to live in the, in the light of the whole picture, we'd love to pray for you.